Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Encouraging you to live as an ambassador of God's kingdom in the world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Well, good morning. May the 4th be with you. I am obligated to say that by people like my producer, Paul. I, I never obligated mm-hmm. you to do anything. Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. Don't, don't blame right. me. You did that on your yes, own. I did. There you go. May the 4th be with you. All right. A little shout out to all of our Star Trek friends out there. Whoa! Um, oh! No. Oh, Star oh. Wars. Star Wars. See, this Ow. is how bad. This is how bad I am. <laughs> this is how bad. You are so not a... I know. I'm so Ouch. sorry. Let me just go ahead and confess my all of my failures. Okay. So I um I actually have a little prepared thing for this morning because I was in a conversation yesterday about why things that seem obvious to me don't seem obvious to everyone else. And I said, Well, I hold some truths to be self evident. And this person's little eyebrows shot up and said, Okay, that actually sounds familiar. And I said, Well, that's because that's actually the opening of the Declaration of Independence. And so we took this series of phrases, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. And we had a conversation going backwards across those words. And so I thought, you know what? I'm going to share that this morning and I'm going to do it as quickly as possible. So we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, and that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. So starting at the end and working our way backwards, certain unalienable rights. This is actually where many of the conversations today center themselves. But frankly, you can't get to a conversation about rights and certainly not unalienable rights if if the foundation of that conversation has been undermined. And so that was um, that was my friend and I talked about yesterday. Like you're having this rights. I demand these rights. Uh, you're taking this position, and yet, you know, you've undermined the foundation of that conversation. And so we frustrate ourselves when we attempt to construct a framework from rights that's based upon individualism and and freedom that's not grounded in some kind of common understanding of humanity, uh, a common creatureliness before uh, a creator God who is ultimately sovereign over all. And so we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. All right, so it's not just rights, it's certain unalienable rights. And certain unalienable rights have to be derived from something. In this case, they're derived from or endowed by the creator. The Declaration of Independence presupposes a shared or common belief that God is and that God created and that human beings are distinct, indeed exceptional, uh, as a part of God's created order. The only creatures who bear God's image, endowed with rights that are inalienable or intrinsic or equal, which takes us back another step to the words created equal. So, created equal. The conversations of the day related to race, abortion, euthanasia, disability, medical ethics, race. uh, I started there. I'll repeat it. Um, slavery, pornography, human trafficking, immigration, virtually every other ethical and political debate of the day 
is actually a debate that's rightly grounded right here in a conversation that each of us and all of us were created equally in the image of the Creator God. We call it the Imago Dei. We stand on equal footing in creation. We stand on equal footing at the cross. And for those who come to Christ, we stand on equal, equal footing in the kingdom. That equality has often been misunderstood and misapplied, but it's real nonetheless. It's persistent. It's unassailable. So back up two more words. It is a, uh, it is a reality that we are created equal that's fully inclusive of all people. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. All men, not some men, all men. Not one ethnicity, but all ethnicities. Not, not just men, but also women. Not just adults, but also children. Not just citizens, but also aliens. Not just the healthy, but the infirm. Not just the young, uh, but the elderly. Not, not just the abled, but the disabled. Not just the married, but the widowed. Not just the, you know, not just the kid in a family, but the orphan and the refugee. Each and all, every single one. We see that, right? I mean, we see that. When we look with the perspective of the Father, when we look with the perspective of heaven, when we look with the perspective of eternity, we see that, right? It's self-evident, right? Well, that's actually a presupposition as well. Self-evident means it's not hidden. It doesn't require special information, special gnosis, even revelation. It's obvious to anyone who bothers to pause and consider it. And that's really the question. Are we humble enough to concede to the reality of a substantial truth beyond ourselves, beyond our current urges or our current circumstances or even the color of our skin? This may actually be the heaviest lift of the entire opening sentence of the Declaration of Independence because it requires the individual to do something. It requires us to think and consider and evaluate in humility. It requires us to yield to the reality of a creator God and to the reality of the created order, and to the ordering of life in ways that align with him. Which leads us to the next word, which is actually the prior word, and that is the word truth. We hold these truths to be self-evident. Friends, truth exists whether we acknowledge it or not. Truth is a transcendental reality. It is inescapable. It is persistent, and it is consistent. Many people suppress it, and others deny it, but truth does not go away. Truth is and truth holds. So what happens when, the, as a collective, we no longer hold to truth? Well, if you don't hold to truth, you can't hold these truths, which are self-evident. So when we say we hold these truths to be self-evident, who are we who continue to hold truth? What does it mean to hold? What do we hold today? And who are we? What do we hold as truth or true truth today. In a culture where each person presumes to hold their own truth and little is held as truth, capital T, in common or common to all, we find ourselves talking past one another in a seemingly endless battle over, you guessed it, rights. That word at the very end of this series of phrases that we read this morning. Staking out ground over and against one another uh, so that you know we can have enough space to live, well, our own truth something that was completely foreign in generations past, your own truth. If you've got your own truth and I have my own truth, well, we can't hold the same truth. What is evident to you is apparently not evident to me, and so it is, it is by definition not self-evident. And if it's no longer self-evident, it is self-centered and not God-centered. So our equality falls apart 
because it's an equality dependent on an individual's ability to allow someone else to hold a truth that everyone else sees as self, self-evidently not true. You can't, have, you can't hold something as true that's not true and imagine that I am going to view it as self-evidently true. That requires me to participate in lies I'm not going to participate in. It requires me to live by lies I'm not going to live by. My very nature resists that. So the next time you find yourself at odds with another person, consider starting with a conversation about presuppositions. What can we agree on? What do we agree on? Where is our place of common understanding about God and creation and human beings and our shared humanity and our calling in life? We can't really talk about your rights or my rights or our rights or rights that are unalienable and self-evident if we don't even hold that there are shared truths. All right, Daniel Bennett from John, John Brown University and the Uneasy Citizenship blog is going to be with me next. We're going to talk about um, Caitlyn Jenner. Yep, uh, a trans individual who says trans girls shouldn't participate in girls' sports. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. There's always a reason to always choose joy. Joining me now, Daniel Bennett from John Brown University. Man, you guys are relentless and ruthless on the May the 4th thing, but there you go. Hey, welcome back, sir. Hey, thanks a lot. All right, you you probably know it's Star Wars and not Star Trek. Yeah, I was familiar with that. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, all right, Caitlin, Caitlin Jenner. Um, first of all, popping in the news because uh, she is making a bid uh, for the governorship of the state of California. Um, but making big news in the last couple of days for, I think, what were, were probably side comments that have now become a center stage about trans girls not participating in girls sports because, well, it's not fair. Yeah, and so this is interesting for a couple of reasons. So you mentioned she's running for the governorship of California as a Republican. Uh, for Republicans, this is generally not super controversial to say that. Of course, in California, when you want to appeal to more than just conservative Republicans, it's it's certainly something you want to be strategic about saying. But also her experience as an Olympic athlete going back to when she was Bruce Jenner, uh, that adds a layer of uh, complexity and insight into these comments. There's no question about that. Um, I guess there's some conversation about a, an award, that uh, a, a courage award that she received a few years back. People may be calling for that to be rescinded and comments that she made in that acceptance speech, um, you know, wherein she certainly seemed to be supportive of people uh, being allowed to participate in sports um, in, in the way that they understand themselves versus what aligns with biological reality. Right. And I remember she I don't know if this was the award she received from ESPN. I think that was the ESPN Courage Award. Okay, Uh, But yeah, when she was on stage, she was extremely well received. And obviously ESPN is a you know, the people in the audience are athletes, people around athletics. And uh, it is interesting. And so I don't know if this is just was a strategic leak on her part or or what. But it it is something to follow because she's probably got the most name recognition of anybody running in that election so far. Yeah, I think that's true. All right, let's um, let's jump to Utah. This was a little bit of a crazy thing, but it um, I think it lays bare the division in the Republican Party today. Senator Mitt Romney um, was booed and heckled at what we would describe as a very raucous Utah GOP convention. 
yeah, it's wild uh, when you consider, you know, just nine years ago, Mitt Romney was the, the really the standard bearer for the Republican Party in the presidential election. And he's gone from that to, of course, being elected in the Senate, but but then to being widely dismissed by members of his own party. Uh, it really does show the evolution of the party under Donald Trump's influence and uh, the lack of incentive for folks, even as conservative and with the credentials like Mitt Romney, from speaking out against what they see as a problem in Trumpian politics. All right. I'm going to take a very, very brief break because my monologue ran long at the beginning. Um, Daniel Bennett and I will be back in just a moment. We're going to have a conversation about Pelosi's Um, That would be Speaker of the House, um, Nancy Pelosi's archbishop. She is a Roman Catholic. um, And her archbishop has said prominent Catholics who support abortion rights should be denied communion. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. All right, continuing my conversation with Daniel Bennett from John Brown University. Um, So, Daniel, this... I don't think this is a surprise to those of us who sort of understand what the job of a Roman Catholic archbishop is, but it's seeming to be a great surprise to people who think that individuals are allowed to define religion any way they want and everyone else should just um, submit to that. Well, I mean, we go back to 2004 when John Kerry was running, running for president. You had these same types of debates and conversations coming up about Catholic clergy and, and uh, with you know Catholics in the, in the pews. Uh, but this isn't a new thing. Uh, and the issue of abortion is probably the most divisive issue among Roman Catholics, considering uh, the church's position, but then also you know prominent Catholics uh, in the Democratic Party are pro-choice. Uh, so Nancy Pelosi is just the latest Catholic politician to face this kind of controversy. So um, we have this uh, Archbishop Quarterly Own, um, careful not to name any Catholics specifically in his latest letter, calling for Holy Communion to be withheld from public figures who support abortion rights. It's a 17-page missive. I confess I have not read it in its entirety. Um, but it would seem that one of his most famous, uh, you know, the people who live within his uh, realm would be House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. But the conversation, I think, is of particular interest to people also because we have a a Roman Catholic president. I mean, I was just hearing yesterday, you know, sort of this celebration that Joe Biden and others who were who were present when um, when the U.S. action was taken uh, would be Mm. 10 years ago now. Um, um, Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. In Pakistan, when um, help me out here, when Osama bin Laden um, was taken. Yeah, the political piece that was written, the oral history about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And there were three people who, like, notably had their rosaries out. And Joe Biden is one of them. And apparently the three of them had their picture taken together, like with their rosaries. Like this is not these are not people who are casual Catholics, but they are, according to Catholicism, erring Catholics. Yeah, and uh, it's certainly uh, it's certainly an issue. Uh, the fact that Biden is the first Roman Catholic president since since John F. Kennedy, of course, uh, Nancy Pelosi, prominent Catholic uh, in the House, uh, and John Roberts, by the way, who's also a Catholic, and so we have Catholics leading the government for the first time. Um, right, that's like yeah, super so this, interesting. Like that seems yeah. like a worthy conversation. Yeah, I, I think so too. Uh, just from an historical perspective, but also just the. The, the breadth of opinions within the Catholic Church and 
uh, what happens when these controversial elements of public policy meet religion. I mean, that extends beyond Catholicism, right? Uh, mm-hmm. So, so yeah, I think I think the conversation isn't a new one. Uh, it has made waves because of where Nancy Pelosi lives. Um, but then also, you know, I mentioned this in my class earlier this semester. Uh, certainly, abortion uh, is is something we should take very seriously. Um, the Catholic Church also has certain positions about other things that that other day to day Catholics don't necessarily agree with. You know, capital punishment being one. Um, and so, where do we draw the line? I guess about what constitutes not being able to receive the Eucharist? Is it just on abortion or is it on other positions that the church happens to take a different position on? Well, and I guess, you know, people are immediately going to think there about um, a particular Roman Catholic in uh, in New York who has been living out of wedlock for a very long period of time and not barred from communion. Right. So, I mean, right, there's right. there's going to be a lot of conversations if, it, if you start going down uh, this, if you start going down this trail of, um, of, what would we call that in um, like hedging the table, right? Or guarding mm. the table. Um, okay. Yeah. So one more headline that I thought you would be um, particularly adept at discussing today. And that is this um, Supreme court ruling or conversation um, on political donor information. What's going on there? So uh, California passed a law requiring charities and public interest groups to disclose their top donors, not everyone, but top donors to the organizations. And this was immediately met with pushback from interest groups from across the ideological and political spectrum. So one of the plaintiffs in the case is the Thomas More Law Center, which is a conservative Catholic legal organization. They're being represented by Alliance Defending Freedom, which, of course, is one of the most influential Christian legal groups in the country. Uh, But on their side, organizations like the NAACP Legal Defense Fund, the ACLU, the Anti-Defamation League. And the argument is this decision from California, if it would be allowed to stand, would have a chilling effect on people who, for you know, for whatever reason, would donate to interest groups but don't want those donations publicized, um, particularly if the interest group is doing things that aren't necessarily popular among the public. And I mean, there's an historical corollary to this, right? I mean, we saw this back in the, during the civil rights movement when states like Alabama tried to get membership roles for groups like the NAACP. And the Supreme Court wisely pushed back on that and said, yeah, we're not going to let you do that. And so I think that is the closest historical example we can see here. Okay, so you're really good at talking about this particular subject because you actually wrote a whole book on the politics (laughs) of the Christian conservative legal movement. It's called Defending Faith. I'm wondering, you know, we're uh, we're in 2021, just barely. Um, This is a book that was published in 2017. If you could add a chapter or supplement something in Defending the Faith, what might it be? Yeah, I think, uh, and I I talked to Kelsey Dallas about this at Deseret News uh, just a couple of weeks ago. Um, And I think uh, the chapter that I would add is the Christian legal movement under the Trump administration uh, and and maybe a more conservative Supreme Court. Because what we have seen are groups like Alliance Defending Freedom, the Beckett Fund, uh, doing exceptionally well in the courts under under this current composition, and uh, having real say at the table of the Trump administration. So I think we could see, if Defending Faith was published in 2017, the next four years would have been how the movement has continued to grow almost at a, I don't know if exponential pace is, is the right term, but certainly much more aggressively than in the years before. Yeah, so I might have read that piece by Kelsey, and I might have thought that was a good question to ask because I, I think that 
Well, we imagine that books are stuck in time, and yours is not. Um, yours actually helps me understand the landscape that I live in, and I can see um, if I, you know, if you've, it, it, for those of you that are listening right now, and you're just like looking for a really good primer on the conversation, Defending Faith is excellent. The Politics of the Christian Conservative Legal Movement, Daniel Bennett is the author. Um, it, it, you can see, if you read it, how we are cultivating the issues before us today. Like we, you can see the fruit that's produced if you, if you see what's been tilled into the soil over time, which is what your book helps us do. One of my favorite conversations from those interviews was right after the Obergefell v. Hodges decision was announced back in 2015. I had an interview set up with an attorney from Alliance Defending Freedom. And of course, they were disappointed and frustrated with that decision. But there was also hope there because one of the attorneys told me, Okay, this legal fight is is effectively over, but now we can turn back. That now now we can turn to the culture because the culture is something we can continue to invest in and hopefully uh, make gains in that way. Even if we've lost the court, that doesn't mean we've lost the issue entirely. And I thought that was an interesting, hopeful perspective from a group like ADF. Yeah, I, I thought so too. So, um, all right, Daniel, thank you for joining us again today. I know you've got um, kind of event uh, an event today that people can participate in remotely. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, it's great. So last Thursday, as you know, Joe Biden had his uh, 100th day as president. That's an interesting milestone historically for U.S. presidents. And uh, today at 11 a.m. Central, Christians in Political Science, uh, an organization of Christian political science faculty and students, will be having a panel conversation via Zoom about Biden's first 100 days. Faculty from Wheaton, Calvin, Colorado Christian, and Northwestern College in Iowa will be uh, leading the conversation, but then there'll be plenty of time for discussion and conversation from folks in attendance via Zoom. So if you want to check that out, go to christiansinpoliticalscience.com and click on the events page. It'll take you to the Zoom link. Hope to see people there. I love that. All right, Daniel Bennett, thank you as always so much for joining us today. Thanks a lot. Absolutely. We'll be right back. Uh, teachers, it is Teacher Appreciation Week. We're going to catch up with David Schmoos from the Christian Educators Association International. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Believe it or not, you can't judge a teen by his behavior any more than you can judge a book by its cover. Hi, I'm Mark Gregston with Parenting Today's Teens. When it comes to teens, what you see is not always what you get. What may look like uncontrolled rebellion to a parent may be nothing more than misplaced desire for independence in the teen. Or what comes across as an angry kid may expose some of your own weaknesses. However, it's not always easy to tell the difference. So that's when you and I need to do some digging. Look behind the behavior. Ask some questions. Wait for answers. Don't judge a book by its cover. And don't judge a teen by behavior. Want more parenting help from Mark Gregston? Find encouragement through articles, books, and more at ParentingTodaysTeens.org or search for Parenting Today's Teens in your favorite app store. Well, I'm really pleased to have back with us today David Schmoos. He is president of the Christian Educators Association International. David, welcome back to Mornings with Carmen. Hey, so good to be with you, Carmen. And hey, may the fourth be with you, right? 
Yes, exactly. May the may the, may the force or the fourth be with you um, on this May the fourth. It's Teacher Appreciation Week, so I'm hoping you can give us some encouraging ideas uh, about how to celebrate our teachers this week. Yeah, you know, it's been such a hard week, uh, hard year rather for teachers. Uh, you know, going back all the way, of course, to the beginning of the pandemic, and uh, so many teachers are feeling overwhelmed, exasperated. You know, their students aren't learning, and they the things are out of their control. They can't they can't fix the situation. You know. I know teachers who are uh, having to teach both students online and in person simultaneously, uh, which is uh, pretty much an impossible task. I know one uh, science teacher, I know a middle school science teacher said he's just doing his first lab of the school year this week with a month left of school uh, because wow. he finally has enough in-person students to, to do that. Um, other teachers are faced where they're fully online and they have district policies where they, um, you know, they can't have their students or can't force their students to turn their cameras on. And so there's no accountability, uh, very little accountability. Uh, imagine trying to be responsible for student learning uh, in an environment like that. And so we're really encouraging uh, our teachers to just keep to keep their focus on the Lord. Remember that you know they work as an, as ambassadors for Christ. Uh, they ultimately don't work in a sense for their schools or their parents. They work for the Lord, and they're not responsible uh, for the results He is. And if they just are responsible for being faithful with what the situation they're they're given, you know, when <laughs> it's not this bad yet, but when Paul found himself in prison, his attitude was, "Well, I'll do what I can in prison. You know, I'll, I'll preach to the people I can, and I'll write letters and." And, and similarly, I know many of our teachers, I think, feel like they're almost in a, in a prison-like situation with COVID. And uh, and so to realize, okay, what can I do, Lord? You know, and I think as in terms of Teacher Appreciation Week, uh, teachers in your life, you encourage them to, to see, hey, your identity is in Christ. You you work for the Lord, and whatever you can do unto Him, you do. And, and uh, trust Him that He has a plan to make up the lost learning. Trust Him that He has a plan to redeem uh, this, this terrible year. And that's not really, on, not really on the teacher's responsibility to figure all that out. And so, um, yeah, I just encourage uh, you listeners out there to, you know, send notes to, to, you know, Starbucks cards or, you know, whatever they can do to show appreciation. Um, you know, we wrote a, had a, a blog post in our Saved by Grace blog recently about how teachers are sort of damned if they do, damned if they don't, you know, that no matter almost what they do, they're going to get some complaints and, and some parents want them more in person, some parents don't, some parents want, you know, this or that, and, and uh, it's just a really been an impossible situation. So uh, have compassion for the teachers in your life. I love that encouragement simply to be of encouragement. I am going to be sure that I find tangible ways to say thank you this week to the teachers in our live. Let's talk a little bit about this year in review. You've got a great, um, you have a great post up at your website right now. And, and let me remind our listeners, we're talking with David Schmoose from the Christian Educators Association International. You can find what we're talking about at ceai.org. Let's talk about, um, David, the most important work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the most important work uh, is, is to realize that we are there with God uh, to focus uh, His His purposes in our kids. And yeah, we are Saved by Grace blog. Uh, there's a, We have a piece there called The Most Important Work, uh, written by uh, Kylie Ray Mitchell, uh, one of our top writers. And uh, she, just want, she just reminds us, like, hey— you know, uh, quiet, quietly, faithfully, focusing your kids, focus what happens in your room. You can't control the stuff that happens outside. 
Um, but if you realize that, you know, the Lord said, if you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. And and so it's an invitation to uh, to teachers to to remember uh, that that their focus is on what's happening in the lives of their students in their classroom, and they can't control all the noise outside. So just uh, you know, set it aside. Don't give it don't give it space uh, to 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 echo around in our minds and to f- uh, mess with our. Um, you know, our sense of uh, satisfaction or purpose. Uh, just trust the Lord and focus on what you can control. And I think that's a that's a great reminder. So I'd really encourage uh, teachers to go to uh, cea.org slash saved by grace and uh, take a look at that piece. I think it would be very, be very encouraging to them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, David, when we talk about teachers and COVID, there's probably a whole range of conversations that emerge. And depending on where you are and what your experience of education has been this year um, and where you sit uh, kind of uh, among the group of people who are talking about this. If you are a family that relies on um, that relies on the public schools and you are in a in a place where teachers have at one level refused to go back to work, your experience has been one thing. If you have been in an environment where really education has been basically uninterrupted, um, you've had a completely different experience of teachers and and education in COVID this year. What um, what's your research uh, revealing to you? Yeah, well, what, one thing we're very concerned about uh, is the fact that there's uh, nearly three million, or about three million, by one estimate, according to the uh, Bellwether Education Bellwether Education Partners, uh, three million students missing from our public schools, mm-hmm. and um, and these are you know students that have kind of matriculated away. Uh, and of course, many of them uh, maybe are in better situations, as you pointed out. Many of them have, uh, you know, found their way to, uh, you know, private schools that have been open, or or home schools in caring environments, or 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 pod, you know, pod schooling, as we're seeing, is a kind of a, one of the more uh, more recent things to come out of COVID innovations. So, you know, uh, but but uh, one thing I think about, you know, because our our ministry is an alternative to unions. You know, what we, what we do is we provide uh, liability insurance and job protection benefits for teachers who don't want to be part of their unions because of the things their unions support and the politics and 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 the radicalization that's happened there. Um, you know, these unions have gone to bat for teachers theoretically and said, oh, we're going to make sure it's safe for you and your in your schools. You know, meanwhile, of course, uh, you know, we go to Home Depot, we go to we go to Target, we go to all these places that are essential and uh, workers are there and taking precautions and, and generally have been safe. In fact, the studies continually show uh, that schools are safe uh, if they follow if they follow the precautions. In fact, the CDC recently reduced the social distancing requirement from six feet to three feet as recognition of, of that safety. And yet and, and even the uh, American Federation of Teachers says that 81 percent of their members have been vaccinated. And so, uh, and now they're claiming, oh, you know, we've been trying to open schools uh, since since April of 2020. Well, <laughs> okay, but what they mean by that is we've had criteria in place to open schools since then, but those criteria have been so unreasonable that they effectively have kept schools closed, as we all as we all know. You know, the the places and states and cities where the teachers unions are most powerful are the ones where schools haven't reopened, uh, and that's 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 pretty clear. So, uh, the the bottom line is these three, many of these three million kids aren't coming back to public schools. And uh, if you look at 3 million kids, that's that's 100,000 teaching jobs. And so the unions, which were charged with, in a sense, uh, protecting the jobs of teachers, that's their call, uh, have now uh, led us into a situation where 100,000 public school teaching jobs are at risk of never returning. And uh, Hmm. now, you know, in the body of Christ, we may, some of us may may cheer and say, hey, great, Um, kids are finding other options other than the public schools. 
And uh, and I, I I sympathize with that to an extent, of course. Uh, but for many families, that's not an option, and and they're stuck. You know, they're stuck with whatever the public school does to to the good or to the ill. Uh, and so uh, I'm just kind of thinking, wow, these teacher unions have really done a disservice to teachers. Trying, you know, so so over the top, trying to protect them from COVID, that they kind of they 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 missed the real point, which was, hey, let's let's keep kids in school, let's keep teachers safe at the same time, and let's let's keep them uh, let's keep the public schools functioning. So. Uh, I would invite teachers out there that feel a little bit abandoned by their unions um, to cons- really consider membership in Christian Educators Association as an alternative. I think you'll you won't regret it. All right, I'm talking with David Schmooz. He is the president of the Christian Educators Association International. Um, I'd love for you to check out their website, ceai.org. I'm going to talk about some things that are going uh, across the slider right now on their website, uh, including. Some, some legal issues that Christian teachers are facing. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Continuing my conversation now with David Schmooze. He's president of the Christian Educators Association International. You can find what we're talking about today at ceai.org. Um, David, as I watch uh, what's going across the slider right now on the website, you know, there's a place to uh, click on and visit the Saved by Grace blog, which we talked about a little bit earlier. There's some great resources. I mean, just at the very leadoff here, should Christian educators include anti-racist ideology in their curriculum? There's an invitation to um, to watch the, the webinar replay of Coffee with Christian Educators, where people got real answers to the questions about Christian serving in public schools. Um, there uh, and, and then there's just this open question right here at the very beginning. Does your teacher, teacher's union represent your values? I think for a lot of people, the answer to that question is no, but they didn't even know there were other options. One of my favorite things you've got right up right now on the slider is the hashtag let it shine where, um, where your members are sharing their stories. Want to, want to just, uh, maybe tee you up to have, uh, maybe share one of those fun, good news stories. And then we'll talk about <laughs> the, uh, legal issues that Christian teachers are facing today. Absolutely. One, one of those let it shine videos is from a friend of mine named Mike, and, uh, he was a, uh, long-term biology teacher, uh, worked with at-risk kids, and uh, he once had a uh, he had taught a, a sibling set, you know, over the course of several years. And at one point, the mom of this sibling set comes to Mike and says, "Hey, Mike, uh, I know you're a believer. You've been you know active in in ministry on campus, uh, you know, in legal ways. Uh, my my um, uh, you know the hus- the dad of the kids is in the hospital, and would you um, would you come and would you pray for him?" And so, as Mike uh, said, okay, I'm, you know, I feel a bit like a pastor at this school anyway. Let's 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 do this. So he went down to the hospital, and he um, and he walked in the door, and uh, and he and and the the dad told him, okay, uh, you know, I I, um, I felt like I was going to die. I'm, I've been so sick. And then Mike's response was, are you ready to die? And um, and he said, <laughs> and it's funny is eventually Mike in that conversation led him to Jesus. And many, many years later, they had another conversation. They had become friends. Their families gotten integrated. And uh, many years later, um, he this this dad told Mike, when when right before you walked in the hospital door, I had just asked, in a sense, you know, to I don't know if he's asking God or asking, in, you know, into into space. He was just saying, hey, 
what am I missing in my life? You know, I've got a job, I've, I've got a truck, I've got, you know, I've got all these things, but I'm missing something. What is I missing? And right then, Mike walked into the door, and immediately, he, even before Mike said anything, he says, oh, I knew it. I'm missing Jesus. And, yeah. uh, you know, when we walk onto a public school campus and deal with these families, God goes, God goes ahead of us. God goes before us. Uh, he, he, will, he will engineer circumstances so that we can share our faith in ways that don't violate the law. Uh, if we are, if we'll look for them and are faithful to them, and uh, yeah, I would really encourage you to um, to take a look at some of those Let It Shine videos. They're they're fun, and we're making more of them. So so stay tuned. And uh, Carmen, I, I would like to mention uh, just the challenge our teachers are facing. You mentioned a minute ago with uh, with critical race theory and anti-racist ideology. Um, you know, of course, uh, you know, we want to be very sensitive uh, to loving kids across racial and cultural and gender lines. Um, that is a, a big value here at Christian Educator Association to be inclusive. Uh, but there's a difference between that in a biblical way and then assigning people uh, roles and motivations based on their race, which is what critical race theory does. You know, it labels people as, as victims or oppressors. And, and both are wrong. You know, it's, it's wrong to label, label a person an oppressor uh, based on the color of their skin, and it's, long to, it's wrong to uh, uh, identify them as a victim according to the color of their skin. And we're seeing a, a new segregation uh, uh, rise up in our nation, and I'm, I'm very concerned about where this is going. Um, at, our, at our Rise Up Summit uh, last October, um, you can check the Rise Up Summit out at riseupchristianeducators.com. We're doing it again this October. Very excited about it. We had a very uh, powerful session uh, called the Dream King with uh, with uh, with two prayer leaders, w- one of whom, uh, one white, one black, Matt and Will. And uh, the, as they did prayer ministry, they eventually discovered that Matt's ancestors had owned Will's ancestors when when they were in slavery. And uh, it was a dramatic story of redemption, of God's purposes uh, in their lives, of, of healing. And, you know, those are the kinds of stories we need to be thinking about. Those, you know, the, the idea of how do we love across these lines? Uh, how do we acknowledge people made in God's image and as, as unique individuals? Uh, not, not identify group identity, not, not, not um, emphasize group identity, but emphasize uh, individual uh, students who are loved by God. And, uh, and I'm very concerned about what's happening in our schools regarding this. All right, I'm kind of excited about this Awake event that you're having. If you guys go mm-hmm. to ceai.org backslash awake, you can see really cool information about this Awake experience. And I think there's one coming up um, in Minnesota. Am I right? Yes, uh, we're doing. We're in the pilot stage, so this isn't necessarily a, a uh, come all, come, <laughs> come everyone event yet. But uh, certainly if you want to get in touch with us at info at ceai.org, uh, we can certainly talk to you. But yes, uh, I think on uh, May 22nd, uh, Minneapolis area, we are hosting our third pilot of Awake. Awake is a one-day experience designed to help educators who want to see God, want to see more of Jesus work out in their teaching and in their and what they do on campus, but maybe aren't sure how, or or maybe have some some concerns or fears or inhibitions or, or some obstacles that kind of prevent them from stepping out. Uh, in 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 a, in a richer, uh, riskier, uh, more profound, more impactful, powerful way, and so hmm. uh, so awake helps us to remember, you know, who God really is. You know, the God of the Bible is is this this loving, powerful uh, God who who intervenes and who uh, redeems and saves, and it also helps us remember who we are, that our identity in Christ, our authority in Christ, that we are loved and sons and daughters of the King, and and we carry the Holy Spirit with us as we walk onto our campus, and then it helps us. To remember what our mission is, that we are ambassadors for Christ, that we're not there to work for the school district or, or our principal.
principle. We're not that we want to bless them, of course, but our ultimate goal is to serve Jesus and and to give our lives up for Him. And 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 so at the end of the day, we say, okay, we are putting ourselves in the altar. We're saying, okay, Lord, have Your way. Uh, as we walk onto that campus, we walk there as ambassadors with You, f- full of the Holy Spirit, full of the awareness of who we are, trusting who You are, that You are a powerful God, and we're going to see what God does. And uh, we, you know, George Barna says that 50% of all uh, teachers in our schools, nationwide public schools, go to church at least once a month. And I know that if those teachers uh, were walking out their faith uh, in, in, this, in these ways that I'm talking about here, our schools would be very different. Uh, they would be, would be very much transformed. And so we're just trying to get a hold of those teachers who, who, in a sense, already claim Christ, who already say, hey, yeah, I'm on board with that. But how can I do more? How can I be more effective? How can I let God Get, let God shine through me to a greater extent. And so that's why I'm really excited about Awake. We're, we're kind of, you know, when, when I came aboard on Christian Educators, the Lord said to me, Dave, my army is already in the schools. Your job is to wake them up. And uh, mm. so we are, we, are, we are waking them up with Awake. We've done three. This is our third pilot. We've done one in California, one in Kentucky. This one's in Minnesota. We're doing one in Virginia um, in, um, in late June. And then hopefully in the fall, we'll be rolling this out nationwide. So please pray for us. Let's do that right now. Father, um, we thank you for David. We thank you for the Christian Educators Association uh, International. We thank you for each and every teacher in each and every classroom, um, each and every school administrator who you have strategically placed in those locations um, to glorify you, to edify others, and to educate the next generation. And so, Father, um, I would ask that you would bless and anoint uh, this ministry to awaken teachers across the country in classrooms everywhere that, uh, to their calling as ambassadors who are working as your kingdom educators um, already deployed throughout the public school system of the United States of America. Father, we need revival, and maybe this is one of the ways you intend to send it. Um, and, and Father, we just we want to come alongside you and bless that. In Jesus' name, mm. amen. David, thank you um, so very, very much. We love talking with you. We hope you'll be back to share with us, um, you know, more about Awake. And uh, and again, we want to encourage people to consider the Rise Up Summit. It's in October. You can check it all out at the Christian Educators Association International website, which is ceai.org. David, thanks. Thank you so much, Carmen. What a pleasure it was to be here. Likewise. We'll be right back. Thank you to all of you who have texted in during this hour. Remember, you can always communicate with me during, uh, via the text line, 877-933-2484. Yes, that's thunder you hear in the background. Um, prayers today for people living in the path of storms across the country. Prayers for the people in Mexico City dealing with the collapse of, um, of an overhead train. Prayers today extended to the people of India, where the medical system has really largely collapsed in uh, in the face of just an absolute surge in coronavirus cases. Um, let us be praying the news this morning. Let our first inclination when we read a headline or when we um, hear about a news uh, event, let our first inclination be to pray. Let us put these things in the hands of Almighty God, who is in a position to handle all of it. God is good, and we are His. God is good, and we are His. God is good, and we are his. God is. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.